0: Edwin Frondozo, on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Here firsthand, the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top.
1: Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast. I'm back from Slovakia and I'm excited to share this episode episode number 42 with Peter Ritano, the CEO and co-founder at Abacus Agency. In the conversation, we discuss his experience working in a number of agencies worldwide from UK to Australia and now in Toronto. We talk about the challenges growing and scaling a company and what he learned during a company acquisition. Before jumping in, quick shout out to my media partners, IT World Canada and Startup Canada, for the overwhelming support of the podcast. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on the show. So uh, let's just jump in. Why don't we get started off with your current company now, company you're leading, Abacus. L- l- tell us a bit more about your role. I know we had Jeff on the podcast earlier on. So maybe tell us the difference between you and him and what are you guys trying to accomplish over the next 12 months? Sure. Sure so jeff and i
0: co-founded abacus probably a year and a half ago around um and when we got together the um the central thrust of abacus was jeff was just coming off the back of 20 years in startups um on the brand side of marketing i was coming off the back of 10 years in agency side marketing so i had another agency before this and My agency was a full service digital agency. We looked around and saw all the other agencies talking about being full service digital agencies. We saw a lot of disruption in the marketing world, a lot of technology and data. And we wanted to create an agency that was an agency or a company of the future. So we looked at, or we we hypothesized what we saw as, uh, what what would an agency look like in 2020 and reverse engineered that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few things that inform that, so a move from a uh, generalist to specialist. So everybody says they can do everything for everybody, but that means you're not good at you know, anything. At anything particular. Right. So we really wanted to go deep in one area and that area was Facebook. There's a ton of growth in Facebook, two billion people on the platform, they own four out of the five most used apps, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp. Um, but there's a lot of misunderstanding or lack of understanding in the advertising world on how to get the best out of Facebook. Mm-hmm, so we wanted mm-hmm. to come in there and provide that service to, uh, to to brands. More and more data in the marketing world. So we wanted to introduce our kind of uh, lean startup focused marketing to bigger brands, which means kind of that zero waste marketing. We take a real like acquisition, conversion focused approach to our marketing. So most of the campaigns we run have some kind of digital conversion, whether that's a bank trying to get more credit card customers or an e-commerce store trying to get more um, clients. And then we also wanted to create a company that was uh, a good place to work. Um, me and Jeff are both um, not really the micromanagey type of people. So we wanted to create a company that was fun for people to work in, but also attracted the top tier talent. So we had to set up the culture in a little bit different way.
1: Yeah, no, and I know when I had Jeff on, it was really interesting. We d- we dove deep into culture and, and what both of the two of you were thinking about, like, what was the job? Where, what company would I want to work for? Mm-hmm. And, and, and how do we build that? But uh, we'll try to get back into that as well, because you're two different individuals. Um, <laughs> but when I was looking and I was doing some research, and Peter, looking at over your career, I mean, you literally work worldwide, so you have this different view of the world. And I'd love for you, if you can, to share some of the key turning points that you encountered, maybe some problems, some challenges that made you make a decision that eventually allowed you to grow as the business leader you are today.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think the big
0: turning point for me as a, a somebody getting into entrepreneurship um, was, so just some background, um, I worked in an agency in the UK that um, did similar kind of things to my last agency, but they also had this really cool uh, product that did HR management. So it was an app that um, did a, an enterprise HR management. And it did really well in Europe, but nobody knew about it outside mm-hmm. of Europe. Mm-hmm. So I suggested to them, why don't I take this app and take it out to um, Australia and Asia and see if I can set them up out in there. And my family are Australian, so I could go and stay with them. So it was, it was somewhat low risk <laughs> yes. for me. I just wanted to go and spend some time in the sunshine. Um, but also, you know, try and do something business related while I was out there and it did, it did really well. And that was my first taste of, cause I did it purely on a hundred percent commission. So if I didn't do anything, it was work and no pay, but there was upside for me. And I basically, set up referral partners, did all the business development, did all the brand building out there, did all the digital marketing. It was my first taste of like hacking together a business because it felt like my business out there. And I, right. I did that for for two years and, um you know, it worked really well. And I think also it was a big development for me in terms of, you know, I was fairly comfortable in England, good job. Mm-hmm. And then that put me somewhere that was somewhat uncomfortable and didn't know anybody and I had to just, you know, Get to work and do it, so wow. the the character growth from doing that I think was um the big benefit that I didn't really realize at the time, but looking back it it certainly made me grow, but right. it was like it was, in terms of business, that's where I really cut my teeth
1: i mean that's 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 a pretty big that's really significant in terms of where you were probably in your life at that time, low risk for the company high you know high value for you. can you share with us in terms of two years there. You started from nothing. And how did you grow that grow that business there? And did you actually grow a team there as well? So the way I grew it
0: uh, was building out channel partner relationships. Mm -hmm. So I did some digital marketing. I kind of was like, what's this SEO thing? Let me try some of this. Let me do some PPC, you know, wasted lots of money learning how to do it. Uh, But the big thing I did was research the types of people that could be the end to end brand and Mm -hmm. tried to sell them this cold calling, just reaching out to people and looking for people that potentially could resell. So other agencies that maybe wanted another uh, revenue stream and getting them on as channel partners. Mm -hmm. And then through that, those guys did a lot of the selling for me. So is that, um, system of selling is something I used to grow my last agency that's where I learned the kind of the power of building up the compounding power of building up referral relationships
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm that's great that's awesome and is that organization if I'm sure you're probably still in touch are they still have those channel partners in place and
0: yeah I'm sure they do I mean I, I haven't talked to them in a while we actually use the HR management software at my my last agency but um, it's for as far as I know they've got, they're, they're like four thousand five thousand clients they're rocking and rolling i think that software does more revenue way more revenue than the agency agency does like it's, it's turned into a real cash cow for them
1: that's amazing and i guess because you guys are so specialized in abacus and looking back at that experience Perhaps in the future, are you Jeff looking for a type of product as well to to sell to different agencies? Is that even in the in the horizon? So
0: we're not looking for to be a SaaS type company. What we are doing is building out our own tech mm-hmm. to get a um, to get more efficiencies internally, and we're building okay. out some machine learning tech that um, is going to allow us to extrapolate more insights from the campaigns that we're running and kind of cross pollinate different campaigns. So the way we built Abacus was, you know. Service first um, for the first year, um, look at the marketplace, look at where we see deficiencies with tech, try other tools, see where they fail, and then start building out. The technology for for our agency, so we actually built up profitability and cash flow and the business, and then we started investing in tech. Rather than the kind of typical tech model, which is run a deficit, build out some tech, hope you find customers. See, we've got all we've got customers now. We've got a team, and now we're kind of deploying tech within the company. And
1: with yeah, and th- and that's great, and that. It's pretty smart. I mean, in terms of, it, it's almost the best of both worlds. I mean, both you and Jeff come from this entrepreneurial background. Jeff was really in-depth in, in startups. So, you guys really learned a lot um, being out there before starting Abacus. And, mm-hmm. and do you guys ever reflect on that? Like, oh, this is great. We actually start, we started this perfectly.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jeff... Jeff has been an awesome business partner. He is super experienced in the startup world. He like you know, he's very technical marketer, but he's just generally great at growth. Like he's that's his bread and butter, growth marketing. So we work really well together. I'm a business operator. I know how to grow businesses, especially agencies. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm more of a like run a company, lean, profitable, good business and scale it up slowly. Jeff is, let's grow this thing as fast as possible. We're on a rocket ship. like the classic tech kind of growth. So we meet somewhere in the middle. It's a nice friction. He wants to grow a million miles an hour. I want to grow at a hundred. We meet at 10,000.
1: I want to talk about your last agency. You brought it up a couple of times and it was grown and correct me if I'm wrong. It was acquired. It got acquired and you were the key, one of the key persons in the company at the time. So just looking at that from a business leadership perspective, what were the challenges, you know, coming into this acquisition? You were leading a team and a company and, and that was being acquired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, lots of challenges with an
0: acquisition, um, especially a service based acquisition. It's, it's a bit different. Um, I'd say the biggest, Learning from that to do a su- successful acquisition is make sure um, you manage cultural changes right. really well. Okay. Um, I, looking back, I don't think that was handled as good as it it could have been, and I think the way we ran our agency was very different to how the acquiring company ran their sure. agency, and so there was a, a mismatch there, and that caused you know quite a lot of friction with the staff during the the changeover. So in hindsight. I mean it's it, it should be obvious, but make sure that you handle the cultural intricacies very, very carefully.
1: Like how would how would you do that? I mean, looking back, like how, how would you handle that mm-hmm. differently? If you were to do that whole acquisition again or this partnership again, yeah, what do you think you would do?
0: I would keep running the companies as separate entities for maybe a year or two. Okay. Yeah. And have them start cross pollinating and working together, but keep them as um, two separate, at least two separate locations where they can kind of run as different cultures and then start intermixing them.
1: Like according, Mm -hmm. according time. Right. Exactly. Like Like
0: getting used to it, breathing. You have to date first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, (laughs) then
1: acquisition is stressful for everybody
0: as well. Like before, um, I remember before, uh, I worked at the agency in England, I worked at, I worked at one company that went out of business and then I worked at, uh, a hosting company that was bought for eight million pounds. And basically it was, you know, we've sold the company, cl- collected the staff in a room. We sold the company. You can you know, you you could carry on working um, with the new acquirer, but you have to move four hours down south. Oh my. Up to you guys. Um, <laughs> so I, I, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've been in that situation. And even the mention of change sends ripples through your company, right? So sure. even just the idea of an acquisition coming in and change, there's a lot of stress in there. And so you've got to just handle it with kid gloves. I, I heard a stat that 80%, something like 80% of mergers and acquisitions reduces the value of the company. Wow. Um, so huge, huge, um, problems when. Which company merging, though? The, the, um, company being acquired. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's kind of not worth it in the end wow. for a lot of the time. Um, so you've just got to be super careful with, with how you do it. But wow. um, I'd say the cultural thing, uh, especially for a service business that's so dependent on its talent, is uh, key. Okay. Um,
1: but but I know from my, I mean, I I spoken to many executives who gone through the acquisition, either being acquired or being the ones who's acquiring. Usually, there's a match within the business on the top level, right? And was that was that the same case here? Yeah. Or was it like a com- competition? Taking <laughs> you out? Like what happened? No, no. I mean, it, it was it was we, there was a
0: strategy basically. Um, the agency they wanted to uh they had a lot of clients but they were all smaller clients we had a lot of big clients okay and they were also so and they were building out a brand for very small um clients as well so we were going to be the premium offering they had the kind of middle ground offering targeting um you know lawyers and dentists or whatever and then they were going to do a, a very small offering so, so it was, it was, it the, was the, a,
1: they're the full agency the one that exactly when you, your guys are getting away exactly from. yeah, yeah so, so um
0: so you know the, the plan was there and i thought i think it, it makes sense but just in hindsight if i was to execute it again it would be it would be slightly different
1: so throughout the i mean you, you we talked about three different organizations one's from the uk you expanded operations you, you had another agency that got acquired so these are specific different roles you changed and your team probably changed so responsibilities changed so how did you adjust and continually grow to be an effective leader that that who you are today
0: mm hmm I mean, I think it's it's making lots of mistakes mm-hmm. and continually being open to review those mistakes that you're making, and then improving on how you manage and lead people. Right. You know, it's uh, I wasn't an MBA. Jeff was an MBA, um, so I didn't really go through you know management school or anything like that. So most of my entrepreneurial life has been uh, learned by doing, just jumping uh, in. Yeah. So um, continually kind of. Reading and, and learning and, you know, looking online and talking to other people that are, um, running companies. I, I run a, a group called Bellwether, which is a, um, entrepreneurs, um, kind of, I'd say networking group, mm-hmm. um, at Soho House. Um, and it's, you know, tech companies, VCs, media people. All of, you know, some similar leadership type roles and just get together and um, talk about this stuff and do therapy and exchange ideas. For and, sure. you know, it's, it's great having friends doing similar things. You can say, okay, what's working for you? And they can tell you what's worked and what's not worked. And you can get, do the same for them. So With, yeah. collaborative in the scene.
1: No, that's no, and that's great. And I, and I hear that a lot in terms of uh, the leaders, entrepreneurs, always, always reflecting. But when did you really start actively? doing that for yourself like Mm. like like when was that moment when you're like you know what I need to start working on. Maybe I don't know everything. Yeah, um,
0: I think yeah, it's a good point because when you're younger, you're like I, I, I obviously know everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, I would say uh, middle of the the last agency, I mm-hmm. was like, okay, so I've got to, I've got to start, you know, upping my game. Um, the way I, one of the, I met this guy in Barbados once who was doing this. Uh, he run, he's an English guy. He runs this big company out there, and he always said that you know he'll. On the leadership journey and in this company, he'll always, um, he'll always try and bring everybody with him on this journey and Mm -hmm. everybody he'll try and move to the next level. As the company, you can feel when a company is getting promoted into the next league and you start getting different types of clients. And, but he was always like, you know, I want to bring everybody with me on the bus ride and i'll do everything i can to train them up and give them all the resources but sometimes they can't come with you um and sometimes they're you know whatever they're not putting their effort in or whatever it is and that's where you kind of have to to part ways and i always thought that's it's a a good attitude you definitely want to be supportive but i always thought you know the leader shouldn't be exempt from that as well so i always try and put myself on that bus. And I was like, okay, so I'm expecting everybody else to upskill and learn and constantly evolve. And I need to do that myself as Mm -hmm. well. I need to, I can't have my seat be safe on the bus. Otherwise I'll just get lazy. So continually kind of trying to improve on myself. So I'm a better leader for everybody.
1: I I know we talked about in terms of your, the theory or the hypothesis of of leading advocates and i know i want to just dig a bit deeper from your point of view what was now the the approach that you guys are now taking that you to grow and scale i mean you're about a year and a half in you're two years in is it still the same what's what's changed since then because you guys are lean startup mm-hmm. so yeah. So we've gone from
0: jeff and i to 13 people mm-hmm. um we've had some remote work we have still got some remote work um so it's mainly localized in Toronto, but with some distributed um, teams as well. Um, really, that central hypothesis is, has stayed the same. We were coming into an industry where the incumbents treated employees as, in a certain way. We, you know, anybody that's worked in the agency world knows that, Margins are being squeezed. Um, There's a lot of kind of disruption in tech agencies in the golden era. They used to be like charging huge commissions and then they get squeezed and then they have these different pricing models of full-time employees. And with that came down and then there's lots of acquisitions from holding companies. And with that came a a profit, very profit-centered accounting approach to agencies, the way they ran. Um, So it became less about, say, creativity and more about like, how do we run this as like a very profitable or just a barely profitable um, um, enterprise, And with that came a lot of pressure on staff. Um, so typical in agency world is being overworked, micromanagement, um, not a lot of respect and huge turnover. So... Speaking with a local, very large agency recently, and his president told me that it's a good year if they only lose 25% of their staff. Wow. And that's normal in the agency world. So a quarter of your staff turning over every Every year. year. Um, So we knew there had to be a better way to do this. I mean, just from a cost perspective, that's insane to be hiring and training um, and, you know, in a somewhat service business, mainly service business, the employees are your, your you know, that's your IP. Um, so we wanted to set up an agency that would attract people and retain them and nurture them so they um, can perform at the top of their game. So a big part of that is treating them with a lot of respect. Um, so we hire the best people and we, tr- we leave them alone in their role and we let them do their thing and we treat them like humans. So if somebody wants to sort of with that comes a lot of autonomy, a lot of flexibility. We give people, um, way over, um, standard vacation days, um, unlimited not unlimited yeah. <laughs> no one's listening to us yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe one day yeah. um, I've heard that with unlimited you have the opposite effect that's what I've read quite often is yeah. people are so scared to take vacations they, they that, take none yeah exactly so <laughs> Uh, we do a, a minimum 20 days That's just great. right off the bat cuz yeah. as soon as they start um and so with flexibility you know if somebody wants to go and work from their cottage on a friday um cool do it as long as we hit our goals um so we don't want to be just the the company where the ceo jets off and does his thing for the long weekend or whatever so treating everybody like that if you need to drop your kids off uh you know uh, uh, some football practice and leave at three o'clock. Cool, how about it? We just care about results and performance, not about bums in seats. No, um,
1: I, and I, and I love your office. Both you and Jeff are sitting with the team. Like mm-hmm. You guys are, and, it, and it's just everyone's equal here. It seems.
0: Yeah, we just wanted to run a really, really flat organization where everybody um essentially it's just doing their thing and getting on with work and we've all got access to each other i'm sure over well i, I know over time that's going to change not sure. you know to start with everybody's involved in every conversation then fewer people are involved in the, 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 the you know management conversations and that gets distributed out but we want to try and keep it as flat as possible as we grow
1: peter before we before we start press to record actually uh, we had a quick discussion in terms of mentors and you listed mitch joel and funny enough, your current business partner, Jeff Goldenberg, who who, who are your key mentors in your life? So I, I'm really interested um, for both of them. Why would you say that?
0: So Mitch, um, you know, I, I, I've looked up to him as an agency leader for, for quite a while. He ran an agency called Twist Image. Mm-hmm. Um, he's run a podcast called Six Pixels of Separation, right? which is a great podcast. Yeah. His agency was acquired by WPP uh, a few years ago. Um, and basically in the agency game, there is no better acquisition than one of the holding companies, uh, WPP, Publicis, Omnicom, or now a lot of the consulting shops like Deloitte, Accenture. Sure. Um, so he's given me a lot of advice on, on that particular thing. Like, how do you set your agency or business up for, um, long-term growth and acquisition? One of the, um, things he told me was he, he was never, they were never, Set right early on, like we were going to build this and sell it. But what they did do is build the agency so that it was sellable. Right, so like right that. off right off the get-go, it was built so uh, it would be a proposition that WPP would like, regardless of whether they would sell it or not, because it means your business is healthy and lean and mm-hmm. ran well, like there's certain things a WPP looks for in an acquisition. So they ran the agency like that. Um, so I just think he, I mean, he's at the forefront of a lot of the kind of digital conversations. He's ran a great agency, he's still a thought leader. I just think he's a really personable guy, and he also likes death metal music. So oh, I mean. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm, I'm in a group on Facebook with him where we share kind of metal tracks and stuff, so we, we bond over that. So That's cool. Yeah, from an agency world, I think there's there's no better guy to look up to. Um, And then Jeff, you know, he's just... A very experienced business guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work very closely with him and I, I learn a lot from him. So, you know, he's he's ten years older than me. Been in business for longer. He's got a lot of scars and funny stories. He's raised money from the mob and he's done all this weird <laughs> funny things in I Vegas. Like and he's run a poker business and a food business and he's done all of this stuff. And it's just, you know, he's he's just a, a honestly a fountain of, of knowledge. Like, uh, and he, we've got different approaches to things. I think we both both learn off each other. I didn't ask
1: I didn't ask the right questions to Jeff when he was on here. It seems like, <laughs> <laughs> but
0: he, uh, you know, even with little examples like, um, you know, we'll. we'll we both do a lot of public speaking yes. and, you know, I'll do a talk and I, I over-prepare. I'm type A, I'm preparing for a month before, learn my speech, do my thing, get up there. Jeff is like, day before, wings musing, musing on something, wings it, and I there's just no way I could do that. A, from like, you know, a social perspective, but B, just, you know, he just has all of this knowledge deep within him that he can just riff for hours on business stuff. So I think that's why he's, he's such a great mentor at the various startup institutions as well as he can just, I've never met somebody who you can sit down with, tell a business idea, and he can shoot that many holes in it that quickly.
1: So I like, I love to ask this question on the podcast. It's, it's a little fun, but sometimes it gets, it gets my guests thinking. So if I were to ask, um, I guess if I was to ask Jeff now or any of your past partners, your team members, your colleagues, what's the best business leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say?
0: I mean, I think Jeff would say something like managing the money.
1: Yeah, that's not bad.
0: (laughs) Um, That's definitely where... He doesn't have as much interest on kind of day-to-day ops and money management and um, that kind of stuff. So I would say that's the biggest gap I I've, I would fill for Jeff. Um, I don't know what else he would say about me. This is an excellent question. My last business partner um, would definitely say something. Him, he, in that relationship, he was, um, he was an accountant, so he did a lot of the financing stuff. And I was the strategy guy, agency guy, he really didn't love the agency world and marketing and stuff. So it was, it was me kind of doing a lot of thought leadership and that type of stuff. So I think it flips sides, it seems like it really did. Yeah, it really did. So, I mean, I think that's, I I, I like that. It's basically you look at somebody and you're like, okay, so, you know, where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? You should double down on that and I'll double down on this. Um, so, you know, playing up to your strengths and playing down and trying not to spend too much time on your weaknesses.
1: So what else, Peter? Do you have any some special projects, initiatives, or something fun that you're looking forward towards? Uh, with Abacus, it's really, you know,
0: we're, um, like I said, we're building out our tech. And in 2018, we're just going to come bolting out the gates nice. right away. So we're, we're looking to... Minimum double the size of the company, okay. um, next year. So it's going to be a big year of sales and growth and building out our tech. And we've, mm-hmm. we're hiring new people. So lots of exciting stuff there. Um, couple of other things I'm working on right now. So we're, um, just invested in a new company in the, in the cannabis space. So I'm super excited about, cool. about that space. Yeah. Um, kind of a content play, e-commerce play. Um, Jeff and I have, have Talked about doing a lot of um, or helping cannabis companies because it's obviously a, like a booming industry. Jeff is particularly fond of cannabis, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and it's it's opening wide for for Huge. the for, for the listeners out there in Canada. They just, uh, uh, I mean, you, you probably could talk more, but the regulations is opening up and it's 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 legal. Yeah,
0: and- so we we're, get, we're getting full um, you know legalization next year. Um, so we've got we've got um, medical already. Um, now we're moving into recreational um so right now is a kind of super interesting zone where we've got consumer side brands starting up gaining traction already even though it's not quite legal but they're getting ready for that and there's really interesting marketing questions to be answered like how do you market something that's illegal right now, but is going to be illegal? Like you can't do it on Facebook. You can't do it across Google. You can't do it on most programmatic exchanges. So you have to do kind of SEO content focused type, type marketing. So, um, me and Jeff are, are dabbling in that. And I've just invested in a company called Weedbox as well. So super excited. Very about that. cool. Very
1: yeah. cool. We'll look out for that. And I mean, we'll put, we'll post it on, uh, on the episode, uh, website webpage as well, mm-hmm. but, Peter, I'm I'm having a blast. I think we're vibing on this. We could probably talk a lot, and I mean, even my own interests in terms of the marijuana space, we probably could go all night and all day if we was in the <laughs> evening when we we're recording this. But I'd love to get some of your final thoughts around business leadership, some ob- observations, and ideally, I'd love to get actionable recommendations for the listeners out there who are who might be looking to grow a business, start a business, take that leap to to build a business overseas or, or even starting an agency any any tips one thing i would say
0: that a lot of people i talk to who are thinking about starting a business but are scared i get a lot of anxiety around the risk factor mm-hmm. um or i don't get a lot of but i get a lot of feedback on that a lot of people say you know it's risky to start a business and it, there's a perception that having a salaried position is more stable less risk but i actually think having control over your destiny in the long run is the less risky thing to do and having somebody else control that being fireable at 45 50 at the the top of your game and then being thrown away and and looking for a job is is brutal so i think everybody should think about not necessarily having it as their own income stream but diversifying and having multiple income streams where they where they're essentially de-risking you'd never want to just rely on one thing Mm -hmm. as your income stream but also think about business in a way where you know you don't have to be like you know i'm just gonna quit my nice paying fat paying job at the bank and then start this tech company that may not be profitable for three years. You know, you can start doing things on the weekend, right. In the evening, building things up. Um, you don't have to do all in on one and nothing on the other. You can do a little bit of kind of side hustle type stuff. So I think that takes a lot of the risk out of it. Like I have Abacus, but I also have a, an e-commerce store that I that I run that um, is like um, Nootropics and health supplements. I do some investing. I do some teaching. But I I like the idea of you know building up revenue streams. And if you're going to start a business. Start testing and um, and building stuff out on the side before you go in, go all into it.
1: To close, Peter, let us know where we could find more information about you, Abacus, any of these amazing <laughs> projects here, or even some of this concerts that you might be going with <laughs> that, that you want to share. <laughs> so
0: you can find Abacus at Abacus Agency, um, and on the website you'll find all of our social profiles and stuff. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn with Peter ritano uh, my twitter handle is digidharma d-i-g-i-d-h-a-r-m-a um so any of those places happy to happy to connect um my other sites uh, so there's weedbox.io um there's bellwethertoronto.com and there, that's the networking group and then there's um the harringtonmethod.com which is the e-commerce store for nootropics
1: oh great so don't worry about writing notes. <laughs> We're definitely going to post that on the website for Peter. Um, but again, awesome time. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast, episode 42 with Peter Rattano I hope you enjoyed our conversation and realized that Perhaps you need to start thinking about multiple revenue streams. To learn more about Peter, Abacus Agency, and all the other companies that he's involved with, please head over to thebusinessleadership.com slash 042. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please reach out to me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, or directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you again to everyone who has reached out leaving me a comment on social media. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you are gaining as much insight as I am. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I am grateful for your time. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.